0: Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax. And get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today.
1: Today, we really get to encapsulate this summer as we talk about serving others. The last piece of serving others. We've done nine weeks divided into three different sermon series. A systematic theology on loving God. Another one on loving others. And and then we're going to close the whole summer out and talk about really finding security by serving both. Finding security by serving others. Both. How many of you are like me and you've found something in a very unexpected place? You know, um, I'm sure no other men in the room have ever lost their wallet, right? Like I'm the I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Uh, a few years ago, in the midst of COVID, uh, I began searching for my wallet frantically. It, it, we were in the middle of COVID, so the things were getting a little you know, things were opening up, so I needed to go find someone. I couldn't find my wallet anywhere. Nowhere to be found. That's already stressful enough. But no, you know, you got to have your wallet. My mask was always inside my wallet, so now I'm looking for my mask and my wallet, right, and everything's kind of combining together. So I did what any reasonable person would do, and um and I started asking Lisa, because obviously, you know, Lisa would know where I put my wallet. So um, I started asking my wife, you know, where did you or the children put in my wallet? There's no way I could have lost it. And then on top of all of those things, we were leaving to travel across country in an airplane um, in five days with no license, in the middle of COVID, didn't have the card that I paid for the plane on, the stress began to pour over. So I called Chase Bank, canceled the card, had them expedite shipping and had them send me another one. I called Miss April, said, cancel my church card, ship me another one. And then I had to do what no human ever wants to do. I had to go to the DMV. (laughs) And I went to the DMV and I stood in line. I'm actually still in the line queue as we speak. And, um, and I stood in line, and I, I began uh, uh, searching. I finally got to the front of the line, and I said, uh, I need a license. Can you get me a license? I had a picture of my license I printed out, so I you know, brought my eight and a half, my by 11 sheet up, and was like, this is me. Can you print this on a card? So they let me in the airport. They're like, oh, sir, we'll get you a temporary license. And I said, great. When will my real license come? Because I was reading online, and it was a little shaky on whether the airport would let me in with a temp license. And they looked at me and they said, you know, well, sir, it'll be here in eight to nine years. Um, At least that's what it (laughs) felt like. And so uh, we began to do these things, and 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 I start, okay, I'll take the temp license, I'll take my big picture, I'll take all of the new and fresh credit cards, I definitely don't look like I just stole somebody's identity, it's fine. Um, so I went to the airport, or I was planning on going to the airport that way, and, and the worry was coming in the back of my head, I was like, well, you know, the people of Las Vegas are, are really nice, they'll, they'll probably let me through, what I'm really worried about is if I get through and fly into Philly, like I have to go to Philadelphia Airport, the city of brotherly love, where I grew up, to where there's no brotherly love, so um, I'm going to get stuck in Philadelphia, and and then I'm going to have to call Fred and be like, hey, I have to extend my vacation for a year while me and my wife and children walk across the whole country and get back, And, and lo and behold, the day before the trip, I'm starting to pack, and I open the trunk of my car, and I go to put in the bag, and my wallet is right there, right in the trunk of my car. I mean, I scream like I am a 10-year-old girl that just saw a spider for the first time. I am so excited. I am thrilled. God has poured down blessing upon me, right? And I found my wallet in the most unexpected place. Most unexpected place. Today, we're going to really break down the disciples finding security in one of the last places they would look. We find all of this in in Mark chapter 10, and we're going to study 10 verses in Mark 10, 35 through 45. This is what Mark 10 says in verse 35, if we could throw that on the screen. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, can't get the new Thor movie out of my head, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, In your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. We are able. You know, a lot of times when we study this passage, and and, uh, rightfully or wrongfully, we look at James and John and we think, How prideful! Man, that's so selfish. How could they just be thinking, of themselves, I mean how like degrading of others not to think of others or the possibility of them sitting at the right and left hand of Jesus They are prideful individuals and we don't want to be like James and John So let's not ask to sit at the you know, it's not, not asked to be promoted We go back to passages in proverbs that say, you know Sit at the end of the table and allow christ to move you to the front of the table And we preach it that way, but i'd like to challenge you this morning I'd like to challenge you to broaden your mind, view the the whole passage in context, because what happens right before James and John ask is Jesus predicts his death to him the third time. Jesus predicts his death. And could it be, and what I'm proposing, is that James and John ask out of fear, not out of selfishness. They ask out of a search for security, not out of pride. You see, could it be that James and John have understood the predictions now of Jesus' death? They've become clear to James and John. And they're seeking the promise of security for themselves. It allows us to be maybe a little bit more grace-filled towards James and John, doesn't it? I mean, think about this their leader just predicted his death. Their leader, the one they've been walking with, just predicted that that he would be giving his life. The guy that every town they walked in where they didn't have a place to stay, Jesus would walk in and now they'd have a place to stay the guy that they put their security in for even like everyday things like food and clothing and all of that stuff would just walk into places and provide that? That's being ripped away. Imagine if you're in James and John's position and all of your security is being ripped away. You might be a little scared. You might be a little frightened. Maybe James and John here are asking Christ, you know, I, I know you're going. I understand you're going. I understand all of these things are happening. Can you secure us as like one and two so we can kind of like run the business while you're away yes. so that we can have our place? Like, I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but maybe as a boss is leaving, like, hey, can you promote me before you leave? Like, I need to find some security in there. Like, can you, can you help me out before you go? Because my security is about to all fleet, and all I'm trying to do is grab at it. Can you help me? Please? My proposal is that this isn't out of a selfish nature. This is out of a fear. Fear drives us to realize that what we're relying on is our own comfort and control rather than the security that Christ provides for us. And as these two disciples are asking for their security, what happens in the mind of the other disciples? We'll go to the next passage here. We continue the passage, and it says, and when the ten had heard it, so when the other disciples had heard James and John's request, they began to be indignant at James and John. So they see James and John positioning for their security, and what does that do? That presses all of the other ten security. They're like, well, if James and John are doing this, I, I, need, to, I need to get on board. I, I, I need security too. All this is happening to me. So they began to get frustrated at James and John for what they were doing because they were putting themselves first and then the disciples began to grasp for security as well. And you notice what Jesus does. He doesn't chastise them. He doesn't yell at them. He invites them into a learning posture. He says... You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. He said, You know, you're having a natural response, but this is a worldly response. The, the rulers of this world. Yes, they find comfort and control in in overlording. They find comfort and control in authority. They find comfort and control in promotion. They find comfort and control in in financial stability. They find comfort and control in all of these things. But that doesn't have to be you. He he looks at them. He sees them. He finds where they're at. And he says, you can find security. But you you can't get that from there. James and John, my my heart's breaking for you. I understand. I, I get it. I get it. I do, uh, but you can't get that from there. You can't find security there. And he continues, and he, he just pours out grace to them. Oh, look, maybe, maybe you're not James and John today. Maybe you're not grasping at, like, the promotion or the financial security that James and John were clearly grasping at, but maybe there's something else in your life that holds the security that Christ should hold. What are those things that if you lost them would make your sense of security evaporate? We're Las Vegans. I'll make the bet that there's something in your life that if it went away tomorrow, your sense of security would evaporate. Maybe for you... It's career success. Maybe for you, it's family. As long as my family's okay. My wife, my kids, as long as they're okay. I can... Maybe for you, it's being the best at what you do. Super competitive, gotta have the name in the Raptors, right? Maybe for you, it's financial security. If I can have four zeros, five zeros, six zeros, seven zeros at the end of my bank account, I'll be good. I can, whew, I'm good. I can breathe. I can find security there. You see, we've taken good things and we've created them into God things when Christ himself, God on earth, invites us to seek security elsewhere? What would make your sense of security evaporate? For me, this question smacked me in the face 18 months ago 18 months ago, I was um, I decided to go on a hike uh, with a buddy of mine from uh, from college, uh, from seminary, and we were excited to go together. He was in for a pastor's conference And uh, we decided to go on a hike that morning, early in the morning, and you can show the picture now. Um, So we were hiking the sandstone quarry, okay, early in the morning. You notice, what we also noticed, is that there is snow on the other side of that mountain. And as we saw that snow coming in, we began to work our way down the mountain. And as we worked our way down the mountain, my foot slipped from out from underneath of me on the sandstone, I slid 10 feet on the sandstone and then cliffed off an eight-foot drop onto my right leg, shattered my fibula, or, uh, tibula and fibula, fibula and tibia, um, compound fracture, lots of loss of blood. It was snowing. The storm, finally, after I um, tripped, caught up to me. We can show the next picture now. And this was my view about four and a half hours into the wait for search and rescue. The snow that was in the distance had now covered me. Uh, Light hypothermia was setting in. Lots of loss of blood. And in those moments, I began, if I'm going to be honest with you, to just get pretty frustrated with God. God, why would you do this, not to me, but to Lisa? Like, how could you do that to Liam and Eva? I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here Alive or even with my leg, and like even if I lose my leg, I'm not gonna be able to play with my son or my daughter. And how could you how could you do this? And and why would you do this? And and this shouldn't happen. Like uh, the reason I'm literally on this hike is because I'm coaching with a pastor and speaking at a pastor's conference tomorrow. Like, aren't I more valuable than this? And I, I placed my security. In myself, more importantly, I placed my family's security in me. Search and rescue did get to me, obviously. I'm here. (laughs) They worked up to me. We can show the next picture as well. And uh, in the next picture, you'll see me in a cage coming down the mountain. That's me. And in those moments, as I looked out over Red Rock, a hike that we've done hundreds of times, I thought to myself, you know, one wrong move from any of these guys. My family security is gone. They don't have me. Lord, they only have you. And like, I'm who you use to provide, right? And I'm who you use to protect. And and I'm who you use to, to... to, to give them security. And, and one wrong move is I'm in the cage, and I tumble down, and that's it. This battle didn't, wasn't won <laughs> after they got me down, and, and they did. You can show the next picture of these heroes carrying me now um, into the ambulance. And this, this battle wasn't won there. Uh, six weeks later, I had my second surgery, and Um, rehab began to take place, and I couldn't help but think and and wonder, God, why would you take that from me? My sense of being able to provide for my family, my sense of security over my family, my wife's sense of security, my kid's sense of security, and as I began to, to seek counsel, and as I began to spend more time in God's Word, I heard the whisper in my ear of, Blake, I'm not trying to take their security. I'm trying to give them and you security in something far better. you see, what Christ was teaching me in my life was, your security is in me, and you have to give me your family. Your security is found in me, and you have to give me your family. Your security must be found in the Savior, and as we continue down the passage, Christ invites them into this beautiful security, and then he says, if you find security in me, your life will be different. But if we don't, we will experience the inevitable disappointment that comes after placing our security in things that aren't Christ. The inevitable disappointment expresses itself in numerous different ways. We become frustrated with the item we've placed security in. How dangerous is that if that item is your spouse? You'll begin to resent them We begin to express that security, if it's in something else, by frustration with ourselves. We begin to feel emotions of inadequacy, frustration, disappointment, anxiety, stress. It could express itself in a frustration with others. We begin to blame others. We ruin and create toxic relationships all around us because we're not secure in our Savior, so we begin to express that to others. But this is what Christ invites them to at the end of this passage. He talks to them about, yes, the Gentiles, they find, they find security there. This is where you can. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give himself or give his life as a ransom for many. What does Jesus say to these disciples who are seeking security through control? What does Jesus say to you that's seeking security through some form of expression other than Jesus? He said, your security will be found in your service to the Savior. Our security is found in our service to the Savior. That seems so backwards. The Bible tells us, you wanna get ahead, serve. You wanna find peace, serve. You want to find joy? Serve. Our life is expressed through service, and there's tons of volunteers in the room, and we may serve on a Sunday, and we may give ourselves partly during the week, but are we giving our every day and every moment and every piece of our life to Christ in service. He says this is the example I set forth of you. He specifically uses the phrase son of man in your small groups this week. Please explore that phrase. It is so much depth and so much purpose. And quickly what he is saying here is the man that God sent, the God-man, has given and come to serve his people. This is how I find purpose. This is how I find peace. This is how I find rest. This is how I find joy. This is how I find completeness in my service. We find security in our Savior through service to our Savior. Will you give your life in service? I didn't want this sermon just to be a, an exposition of a passage. I wanted to give you some practical ways, as Pastor Caleb put it, some shoe-leather Christianity to put on and to be able to walk in. So as we've made the argument this morning that we find security and service through the Savior, I'd like to invite you to see three ways that Christ expressed his service in his life and how we can mirror those ways. Number one, Christ gave his life in service by serving his large circle, or the church. By serving his large circle, or what we call it is the church. Christ gave himself to his large circle. Oftentimes, we see all throughout the New Testament that Christ would get away on a boat and teach. He'd get on the Mount of Olives and teach. He would go to different places and teach. And he would express his gift and give his gift to the church. Happened numerous times. Disciples also did the same thing. And numerous gifts were expressed to what I would call the large circle or the church, the global church. And Christ would give his gifts to the church. This is one of the ways that we can give our life in service to Christ. Give our lives to what He gave our lives, or His life to. That's in service to the church, specifically your church. Last week, to have just a moment of honor, I know we already did, we had 30, 40 volunteers that gave their gifts, gave practical ways to be able to help the church our church move forward, the global church move forward, you have no idea the impact that just that little craft table could have made in somebody's heart to move them to Jesus. You have no idea when you just say, God, I'm available, use my gift for the church, how that little snack table will move the heart of that five-year-old to accept Christ. We have no idea how our impact when we're available will affect the church and influence the church, but we do know that Christ spent his life in service... First and foremost, to his large circle, the church. He also did it to a second circle. He did it to a second circle. He served his group. He served his group. Now, after Jesus would teach, oftentimes, Jesus would get away, and his disciples would come to him and kind of be like, so what does that mean? And they would break down the message that Christ had. They would walk with Jesus, and he would begin to explain to them what happened in the message, how they can grow deeper. They would begin to sharpen one another. He would begin to pour into and invest in a smaller group of people. Christ gave his life in service not only to the large group, but also to what I would call the medium circle, or for us, the small group. You see, there is security that is provided inside of service that's funded through the community. And as Christ encircles us with community and provides us community, he's urging us to go deeper and deeper in his word and study in his word. What we're doing when we find in group, what we're doing as we serve in group, is it doesn't look like what Sunday morning service might look like to where we're stacking chairs or we're doing these individual things. It looks like us pouring our spiritual life into another and then pouring it back to us. And as we invest in others, they invest in us, and the group as a whole grows. There's some pictures up here. You probably recognize a few people. This is from my friend AJ's group. You know AJ because he stands over there after the next, or at the Next Step banner after every service to help with Next Steps, to plug you into groups. This is one of the 40 or 50 small groups that happen all throughout the year at Southern Hills, I love these pictures specifically because you see it happening in all different settings and locations, right? Some are in church, some are at restaurants. I have pictures of small groups taking place in coffee shops. It's a beautiful place to be able to say, hey, my life is given to service, not only at the large circle level, but also at the medium circle level. I'm allowing it to influence and impact my life to express itself in a small group community. Man, if you're not in a group, plug into a group. AJ will be right here after service. Plug yourself in. Go to that next level of service. Serve your group. Serve your group. There's a third way that Jesus expressed his life in service. And to me, this is the hardest one. I think all of these grow. We start a life in service with our large group and Man, we, we, we hit that volunteer. We start volunteering in our church. We start volunteering at the rescue mission. We're serving the larger body of Christ. It's an incredible thing. And then as God begins to work on our heart, he calls us into a deeper service, a community service, a, a small group service. But there's a third service he calls us into, and we see it exemplified all throughout Christ's life. And that's his service to the individual. It floods my mind. I, I can't help but think of the woman at the well as Jesus steps aside. Matthew in the tax booth. All of Capernaum is fluttering around Matthew. And Jesus walks to the tax booth, not to pay taxes, but to talk to Matthew about his soul. The woman at the well, Matthew. Zacchaeus, the individual. Peter, on the boat. You. You and he saved you. Christ steps out and serves at a deeper level when he serves the individual. We, we see this exemplified all throughout Scripture in Christ. We see this exemplified in Peter and in Paul. We see this exemplified all throughout Christendom. And my fear is not enough of us are taking the challenge to step into individual service And here's the reason why. My friend Steve puts it this way. He says, anyone can count the numbers of apples on a tree, but we have to fight hard to count the trees in an apple. What he's saying here is it's easy to look at all the fruit that God's produced and be like, man, that's amazing, once the tree is established. But what's really hard is to take that apple, open it up, pull out those seeds, and plant them individually in the ground as we invest into eternity. And we have no idea sometimes what that investment's going to produce. We have no idea how much fruit is gonna come from that investment. All we do know is that God is calling us to the individual to seek that out and to take those seeds and to plant them individually. As Christ sacrificed and served us in not only a large, but a medium and a small circle. The question comes to my mind, but, but how? If you don't get anything else from the message, get this. Service to your Savior comes from availability. You see, Christ was available to teach the large circle. Christ was available to teach the medium circle. Christ was available to teach and to influence his small circle and to serve his small circle. But so many times we're either so busy or we're so contained or we're so focused on just one of these circles that we're not available to serve all of these circles. And that's why we're missing the fulfillment that Christ promises in our life. And we look at passages like Ephesians and say, God, I know you promised peace. I just can't feel it. God, I know you promised joy, but it's just not there. And we're not feeling those things, we're not experiencing those things, because we actually haven't given our life in service to our Savior. We're so thrilled, and we're so happy for what Christ has done for us, but we forget to ask ourselves, so God, how do you want me to be available to you? And this is why we lack purpose. This is why we lack desire. This is why we, we lack fortitude. It's because we no longer are looking at our Christ for full satisfaction and saying, God I'm available. Well, we come and we we look to receive and not to give. Serving is being available. Look, there's different seasons in service. Lisa and I just walked out of the diaper stage like 2 years ago. It's still like the biggest win. Of my life. Um, We understand different seasons, having younger kids, having older kids, having being retired. I'm not questioning the season you're in. I'm asking you to question your availability to Christ in whatever season you find yourself. John Brody was the 49ers quarterback in the 60s. All-star, borderline Hall of Famer, Won a ton of games, and towards the end of his career, John Brody was asked to be the place kick holder and the field goal holder, as he was once a star quarterback. For those of you who aren't football people, I assume you at least know Charlie Brown, okay? So if you don't know what the place kick holder is, it's what Sally was to Charlie Brown, okay? (laughs) This was John Brody's new assignment. This was his job. And one bold reporter came up to Brody, and he asked this question, why should a star player like you have to hold the ball for field goals and extra points after a touchdown? And this is what Brody answered. He said, well, if I didn't, it would fall over. (laughs) I, I share that short story with you because this is precisely the willingness in which Christ calls the disciples and in which he's calling you. I'm not sure where God has called you to serve. I'm not sure how God's called you to serve, but I, know, I do know he's calling you to seek security in the Savior, and just like my wallet, you'll find it in the most unexpected place. Let's pray. Father, you are good, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to to study your word, to spend time in your word and to be together. Thank you for this church. And Lord, allow your word, not my words, but your word to permeate the lives of your people in this place. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray always.
0: Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.